Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. You're listening to The Engaging Missions Show, Episode 64 with Holly Friesen. Welcome to The Engaging Missions Show, where we discover God's glory in what He's doing around the world. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, church planters, and disciple makers as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Greetings, prayer warriors. In today's episode, Holly Friesen shares some of the challenges in ministering in Ukraine during all of the unrest, how God got her through a time when she had to leave Ukraine right after training people and launching a ministry, and one thing that was more important than where she was headed as she approached a ministry transition. The show notes for today's episode will be at engagingmissions.com slash Holly Friesen, and Friesen is F-R-I-E-S-E-N, or slash 64 as in episode 64. And with that, we're going to get right into it. All right, let's get started. Today, I'm very happy to have Holly Friesen on the line. Holly is a missionary with the Association of Baptists for World Evangelism. She's been serving in Odessa, Ukraine since 2010, where she's the director of a pregnancy care center that opened in 2014. In addition to the work that she does supporting women and families facing a crisis pregnancy, she also assists with evangelistic medical ministry several times a month. But that's just getting started. With that, we're going to go ahead and turn to Holly. So Holly, I've given just a little bit of an introduction. Can you sort of fill in the gaps and maybe share a little bit about yourself personally? personally, and the ministry that you're doing? Sure. I um, grew up in a pastor's home, so always had an interest in missions, and uh, the Lord continued to direct me um, down that path, as well as directed me into getting some medical training. Uh, I was able to complete a nurse practitioner degree. I'm a family nurse practitioner, and uh, Using that degree, uh, have been able to assist with the evangelistic medical ministry here in Ukraine. Uh, arrived here in uh, 2010, as Brian said, and am assisting a missionary doctor who's been here uh, for around 17 years, uh, providing evangelistic medical clinics in the village areas in Ukraine where there's uh, very little medical care. And one of the burdens that she had had for a long time was to start a pro-life ministry here. Abortion is a huge problem in Ukraine. And uh, she had prayed for a long time and visited with a number of pastors, but uh, the Lord hadn't yet opened the doors uh, for that uh, ministry beyond doing seminars here and there. But after I arrived, um, the Lord uh, brought us into contact with some other uh, Ukrainians who were also interested in starting a pro-life ministry. And uh, the Lord uh, did some amazing things to make that come about. And we started with Ministry to Women post-abortion in 2011, and then last year in 2014, we were 
able to open a pregnancy care center uh, where I serve as uh, the director, and God's given us a great uh, team of people who uh, work there in that center with us. Um, Also, as a little bit of background, before I came to Ukraine, I also served for two years as a short-term missionary in Lima, Peru. And while I was there, I worked in a pregnancy care center, and that's where the Lord really grew my burden for uh, pro-life ministry. I've always been very pro-life, but the thing that excited me about the ministry that I saw there was how the Lord was using it to bring people to Christ and to uh, change lives. Um, So I just was drawn to the opportunity to not just save the life, of babies, but also to see people um, saved for eternity. That's great. Uh, One other thing, as we get started, you know, there's a wide variety of missionary experience, everything from the, what we might think of as the stereotypical missionary on the, uh, on the, on the Savannah, uh, all Mm -hmm. the way to people who live in big cities. So can you share with us a little bit about what life is like for you? Sure. Um, I live in Odessa, which is a city of about a million. Um, it's a port city on the Black Sea. I live in an apartment building. Here in Odessa, there are lots of Soviet-era apartment buildings that are 12 to 16 stories high uh, with lots of lots of people living in them. So um, that's been a bit of a new experience for me. I grew up living out in the country, but um, have gotten used to apartment life and the conveniences of having um, public transportation uh, just a few feet from my front door and um, stores where I can do my shopping. Odessa is a pretty modern uh, city um, and um, yeah, I don't... I don't know what else you want me to tell about my city, but... No, that, no, no, that's that's good. I appreciate you sharing that. Okay. As, as we get into this, one of the things I like to do is start out a little bit with a mindset, understanding kind of the foundation for your ministry. Is there a, a key scripture or maybe a, a quote or something that you go back to as a sort of a foundation for how you approach ministry? I really like Philippians 1.6, um, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, I just like the the encouragement that God's still working on me and he will continue to work on me um, on those days where I'm feeling a bit inadequate or the challenge seems really big. I'm thankful for that reminder that it's God who's doing the work in me. Yeah. It's it's interesting that you mentioned a challenge because that takes us right to the to the next question. Mm-hmm. I like to as as we get to know the guests, I like to start off a little bit with a challenge to understand um you know how you've approached those. And one of the things I find is that it helps us connect with people I think a lot more easily than one of the big victory stories because it mm-hmm. points to that common common challenge. And it also helps I think fight a little bit of what I call the Facebook effect, which is where everybody <laughs> else's life looks amazing like um pictures of food and my own life looks like pictures of dirty dishes in the sink, which is actually pretty accurate right now. Can you share with us a time when you faced a challenge or a failure and then share with us what God did in that time? Mm-hmm. Well, um, as you may know, last year things changed dramatically in Ukraine. And as a result of some of the unrest and concern, our mission um, asked us to leave for a few weeks back uh, last spring. And that was right after we had done volunteer training uh, for the volunteers that were planning to work at our pregnancy care center. We already had a building that we had uh, gotten ready, and we were we were just getting ready to finally actually open the center. And um, 
when we left, we didn't know if we were going to be able to come back and if our if my ministry in Ukraine was coming to an end. And at that point, I really struggled with um, trying to understand why is this happening right now? Why would God bless or seemingly bless the startup of this ministry in so many ways and then just suddenly bring it to a complete halt? And I remember that first morning when I was um, sitting in the homeless and teammates in Slovakia after we had to leave, I just in my Bible reading happened to be in Psalm 34. And that first verse really hit me. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. And it just hit me. Am I willing to praise God today when I really don't like what's happening and I don't understand what's happening and I just want to scream and protest? (laughs) And the Lord really worked on my heart to be willing to thank him and trust him even when the situation doesn't make sense to me and to hold my plans lightly, realizing that it's his work and not mine. And if it's his will to completely close it today or tomorrow, that he has a purpose in that as well. And that I just have to, to trust him. And I can't say that from that moment on all the, the bad feelings <laughs> went away, but um, definitely the Lord continued to teach me through the, the, coming months because even after we were able to go back to Ukraine, it was still very uncertain and we struggled with knowing how much do we keep moving ahead in this new ministry and how much do we put on the brakes, but, um, was just challenged, uh, with the, with the understanding that even the effort I was putting into training our new volunteers, um, would not be wasted even if we never got to actually open the center and function that, um, just to trust uh, God's leading even in that. So that was a more recent challenge. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because as we were getting started, I was thinking about the unrest in Ukraine and mm-hmm. I was wondering if that had impacted at all the types of ministry or the way that you're approaching ministry now. Is there any shift in how you're able to approach ministry now that there's a lot of unrest in the area? Um, our city has stayed calm, which um, we've been able to go about our ministries as before. There was time last year when our mission had us on alert to be ready to leave uh, if we needed to. And that, of course, affected a little bit of our daily plans and how far away from home we went. But for the most part, we've been able to continue ministry as usual. The main changes have been uh, up to this point in the medical ministry. Uh, We've seen uh, a large increase in patients that come to our clinics. We um, treat patients for free. And because of the economic situation as a result of all the unrest, it's getting harder for people to afford medications or even afford to go see a doctor. And so we're seeing an increase in the number of patients coming to our clinics. And and also we're seeing uh, a lot of refugees as well, people that have fled eastern Ukraine where the fighting is going on and are now living in Odessa and uh, or surrounding areas and are coming to our clinics as well. Okay. Yeah, as as we move along, I'd like to kind of go to the other end of the spectrum. So we've heard about mm-hmm. a challenge and a little bit about how ministry has changed, but there are also these times in our lives when we have a moment of revelation, whether it's God sort of dropping revelation onto us, you know, sort of in that shaft of light experience, if you'd like to think of it that way. Uh-huh. Uh, but then there are also sometimes when God reveals things to us over time. But could you share with us a time when God revealed something to you? Share, share that story with us and then share with us what you did, uh, you know, what that... What what that changed or what that changed about your perspective? Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, in, in thinking about that, I guess I would go back um, several years ago, quite a few years ago, actually, when I um, was finishing up my time in Peru. I had um, committed there as a short-term missionary for two years, and at that point was really feeling that the Lord wanted me to join the mission full-time, um, felt that he wanted me to continue in missions as a career, but um, also felt like he was um, bringing my ministry there in that city to a close, that um, there were Peruvians that could take over the things that I was doing and just really had a sense that God was moving me on, but uh, didn't have a clear sense as to where. And I remember for several months, um, praying and believing that God was just going to open up some doors and make it clear to me where he was sending me. And it just seemed like for months, God was silent and the time was getting closer when I was going to be leaving Peru and needing to make uh, decisions about the future. And I still didn't know what I was doing. And, and I'm a planner and I like to have things all organized and figured out. And so it was starting to get me really nervous. And I remember during that time, um, the Lord seemed to keep reminding me um, through sermons or a verse that would stick out to me when I was reading my Bible that he really wanted me to focus on knowing him. And it, it took a while for me to really um, realize what he was trying to say to me, but that it wasn't so important where I went or what my next step was. The, the thing that he really wanted me to focus on was my relationship with him. And the reason I go back to that is because um, God has used that over and over again as I've faced other decisions and um, whether it be uh, a smaller uh, daily decision or something as far as starting a new ministry uh, when I'm not sure what the next step is and I'm praying for direction uh, to not forget that the most important thing and the first step in all those decisions is my relationship with the Lord. And during that time, too, I was reminded of um, the verses um where um, Jesus had been asked uh, what the greatest commandment was, and he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself, and that if we follow those commandments, then um, he He makes it clear um, what our next step should be when the time is right, but not to get our priorities um, out of focus. Um, so uh, I guess that, that, that was the moment when the Lord just really showed me um, how important my relationship was with him before all the ministry plans. Wow. That's great. The engaging missions show will be back next week. The question is, will you, if you want to make sure that you don't miss it, you'll want to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. You can do that by visiting engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. Make sure you don't miss out. Have the show delivered right to your computer or mobile device. Stop by engagingmissions.com slash subscribe today. With that, I'd like to go ahead and move to the current day. You, we've already talked a little bit about what you have going on in mm -hmm. in the, the medical ministry, both the, ministering in some of the villages, and then also you talked a little bit about what you have going on in the pregnancy care center. Mm -hmm. Could you share with us maybe one thing that's really got you excited right now, maybe something that's going on right now, or something that you see coming in the future? Mm -hmm. Well, actually, um, next week, I will be going with... Um, 
the doctor that I work with, Dr. Miriam Wheeler, to northeastern Ukraine to do some medical care um, in areas where there are a large number of refugees. We've received lots of requests for help from that area. It's um, closer to the conflict zone, but still within Ukrainian-held territory. But it's um, an area where a lot of people have fled uh, to get out of the conflict zone, but um, people who didn't have relatives to go to or any particular place. So um, they've ended up uh, in not so great conditions um, in areas in uh, northeastern Ukraine. So I'm excited about that opportunity to go and provide medical care for them. And um, we'll be working alongside Ukrainian pastors there and uh, are praying that the Lord will open up uh, lots of opportunities for sharing Christ with those people as well. You know, sitting over here, it's just it's almost unfathomable to me how how things must be there, especially for people who are you know closer to the conflict zone. Is there anything that you could share with us that might help us understand a little bit of, of not only the challenges, but maybe also some of the just the the flavor of life that's going on right now? Mm-hmm. In cities like like Odessa, where it's still quiet, people just live with that constant um, fear of maybe the conflict will spread to our city. And uh, so that um, uncertainty, and it has uh, at times opened the doors to speak with people about spiritual things. Uh, Unfortunately, sometimes we also see it harden people as they question, uh, why is this happening to us? Um, It has also um, just... Well, I actually have uh, a couple people from Eastern Ukraine living in my apartment right now, so it's um, it's touched my life personally, and that's true for a lot of people. They've taken in relatives from Eastern Ukraine. Uh, a lot of churches have taken in a family that's living in their church basement, so um, people... Uh, are very directly affected by um, trying to help the refugees that come. And then economically, it has really affected Ukraine. The exchange rate um, has almost tripled in the last year. Um, And so uh, prices are going up and things are becoming much more difficult for people financially. Uh, We haven't actually seen any fighting here where I live, um, but because of contact with refugees, um, people... Uh, do have contact with people who have seen the actual fighting as well. And then there's also the people who have um, fathers and sons who have been, uh, who are serving the army already or who have been drafted to fight. So the the concern that people live with for their uh, fathers and brothers who are um, going into the fighting as well. Um, Wow. That's, that's a lot. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And and I do appreciate you sharing that. I'm sure it's probably not all that easy. So I, I do appreciate that. I would like to to move on just a little bit because I know that many of the people who listen to this show, in fact, the vast majority of the people who listen are based here in the U.S., some in the broader North America, but most people that listen live in the U.S. and are called into the marketplace. So they may not be ministering in what we would think of as a vocational ministry. And some of those people start to wonder if what they're doing it really matters in the kingdom. What would you share with somebody who is in that situation where they're starting to wonder? They're called to the marketplace, but they're going, does this matter? Mm-hmm. Well, I really believe that God uses all of us right where we are and that as people who serve in the marketplace, you have contact with people that I'll never have the opportunity to have contact with. And um, as their peers and coworkers, you have a platform with them that someone coming in from the outside may not have. So don't ever minimize those relationships and those opportunities that you have to minister to people. Um, God... Uh, 
wants to use your skills and the place that he has you. And if you if you pray and ask him to use you to be uh, his light in your workplace, I'm confident that he will do that. Well, that's good. As as a person who's in the field, I think I, su- I suspect that you probably also uh, receive some kind of support or encouragement or maintain mm-hmm. relationships from back home. And I, I also know that sometimes people um, are supporting missionaries, either financially or in prayer, but they're looking for things that they could do to sort of level up their game. Mm-hmm. If someone was to call you and say, hey, what's one thing that I could do that would really be meaningful to a missionary beyond what I'm currently doing? What would you share with them? Mm-hmm. Well, even just the fact that they called me would be encouraging. <laughs> I think um, sometimes just um, communicating with them, whether it be uh, through an email or a note on Facebook um, or or a call or a, a package even or a letter that comes through the mail, just knowing that people haven't forgotten you. Um, often when you go home on furlough, people let you know that they've been praying for you and they're so excited to see you, but uh, maybe you've gone two, three or four years without hearing a word from that person. So just whatever you can do to let them know um, that you um, that you do care about them and that you want to know. And, and when you communicate as well, one thing that's really encouraging to me is when people ask if I have any special prayer requests that maybe I don't feel free to share in a prayer letter that goes out to everyone. And so I have a few friends that will do that for me, and it's just really encouraging to know that they're praying about those requests that are really close to my heart. Wow, that's good. Do you know a ministry leader, church planter, or a missionary who you believe would be a great guest for our show? Why not let me know about them? I rely on you and my former guests to help me find missionaries and ministers who are rock solid in what they do and how they approach ministry. I'm not necessarily looking for the proverbial rock star. Many of my guests have done things that might seem amazing, and others are heroes of the faith simply because of their faithful obedience. But all of them have one thing in common. Jesus is the absolute center of what they do and why they do it. If you know somebody who fits the bill, let me know. Send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com and let me know who they are and how I can reach out to them. And be sure to let them know that I'll be reaching out to them as well. Again, that's feedback at engagingmissions.com. With that, I would like to go ahead and transition to the speed round. This is where I get to ask you a series of questions and you come back with your amazing answers. Does that sound amazing to you? (laughs) I'll try. (laughs) You'll be great. What's one thing you wish you would have known before you started out? Um, probably that things rarely, if ever, turn out the way you planned. Um, I think I shared earlier that I'm a planner and I like things to go, like to have things figured out, um, but they rarely ever happen that way. But don't worry, God's, God's way is always better than anything that you could have planned. Just don't let yourself get frustrated. (laughs) You're totally speaking my language. I'm a planner too, so I understand. Looking back over the years, what's one thing you wish you would have done differently? Well, of course, we all make mistakes, um, but I'm so thankful for God's the way God is gracious to even use our mistakes to for His glory and to teach us and grow us. Uh, overall, I don't regret any of the decision the decisions that I've made um, in where I've been able to go and to serve the people that I've served with. I I feel really blessed. That's great. What's the best advice you've ever received? Um. I think I remember when we were in 
our last uh, pre-field preparation at our mission headquarters, and they spent some time really talking to us about maintaining our relationship with the Lord and making sure that we schedule times for rest and refreshment that just focused around being with the Lord. And I think that was some of the best advice I received, especially heading out um, just to really cultivate my relationship with the Lord and make sure that if I have to, that I schedule in time with the Lord to make sure that it happens in a busy schedule. That's good. Yeah, I'm a scheduler as well, so I understand. (laughs) And that actually leads us to the next question. So do you have a personal habit, maybe something that you do regularly that you believe contributes to what God's done in your life? Mm -hmm. Well, definitely daily time with the Lord. And I'm thankful for parents who modeled that for me and encouraged me to do that even as a young um, child. And that habit, um, I think, has really served me well. even just those days when I'm discouraged, uh, that time with the Lord has so often been that um, bit of encouragement or the bit of rebuke that I needed for that day. Do you have an internet resource, maybe something that you use on a regular basis that you'd like to share with our listeners? I really enjoy the ministry of Revive Our Hearts. It's a ministry especially for women, and uh, they have radio program. They also do um, in podcasts, which is usually I download the podcast and listen to them. They have lots of other resources on their website. Um, It's just been a real encouragement to me. Um, Their website is reviveourhearts.com if anyone's interested in looking at it. That was reviveourhearts.com? Yes. I'm taking notes to make sure that I don't miss that in the show notes. And mm-hmm. for those listening, uh, if you're driving to work or something, just go ahead and stop by the show notes. That'll be available at engagingmissions.com slash Holly Friesen. And Friesen is F-R-I-E-S-E-N. So engagingmissions.hollyfriesen. So yeah, just stop by there and um, and then we'll have all of that linked up for you. Holly, is there also a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? Mm-hmm. Well, um, in conjunction with Revive Our Hearts, uh, Nancy Lee DeMoss, the host, is one of my favorite authors, any of her books, and also really enjoy Elizabeth George. But if I had to narrow it down to one book, I really enjoyed the book When People Are Big and God is Small by Edward Welch. Um, just is a really good look at our perspective on what people think of us and how we need to shift that so we're more concerned about what God thinks of us. Next week, we're going to hear from Chris and Beth Kent, who are ministering in Romania. Here's just a little teaser of what they shared in their interview. I think a habit that we've always had is is that we, we're content with what we have of God, but we're always hungry for more. And... Um, and both of us have, have always been the sort of character that we would we would go to a place where we knew God was moving and we would always chase him down because we're always hungry not not to have his power necessarily or or to tell people great stories but we but we want to have intimacy with him and I think um, I think that's something that we've we've always had and, and we share as a couple that we're just constantly in search of him and whether that's through worship or, or soaking or, or whatever it is even visiting you know the orphans um we're all of the things that we do we're, we're motivated because we want to know god more and we want to have an intimate relationship with him and with that we're going to head back to holly friesen for some closing comments 
We're going to go ahead and transition one last time. We're going to focus a little bit deeper and kind of draw from some of your experience to um, to get some perspective for ministry, for working in the marketplace, for, for whatever it applies to. Uh, mm-hmm. What would you tell somebody who's living in the U.S. and they look up one day and they realize that their neighbors or their coworkers are not from here? They're from a, a place where there, maybe there's a different religion, a place that maybe we would have considered missionary territory a few years mm-hmm. ago. And they start to wonder what they should do. What would you share with them? Well, you have an amazing opportunity. Um, people that maybe if you went as a missionary to their country, it would take you years to learn the culture and language and have an opportunity to speak with them because they've come to your country and they're trying to learn your language. Uh, you have a unique, a unique opportunity to be able to minister to them. And as someone who's moved to another country and tried to learn and adjust to another culture, I can say that that can be very hard. And if you reach out to them, uh, you can make a huge impact in their lives, and your befriending them could um, open doors to sharing the gospel with them um, in uh, much more quickly than even someone who uh, moved to their country. So don't let that opportunity pass you by. Okay. And what's one thing that they could do if they wanted to start ministering to that neighbor or their co- that co-worker who is from another mm-hmm. culture? Um, our mission has a resource, um, the story of hope. It's a Bible study that, uh, looks chronologically at scripture, starting with creation and, uh, going through, um, to looking at the prophecies and the cross and the life of Christ. And it's a really good tool because it kind of transcends culture and just, uh, looks at the message of the Bible from start to finish kind of the overall picture. And so it's a good way if someone's interested at all in learning um, what you believe or interested in studying the Bible to give them a chance to understand what the big story of the Bible is about. And um, those materials are available at um, goodsoil.com, kind of a branch resource uh, that our mission has. And there's other materials as well as that um, Bible study, but that would definitely be a good start for someone who's interested well, that's great. You read my mind, too, because I was going to ask where, where people could find those. So goodsoil.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one last sort of a hypothetical question. Imagine you mm-hmm. woke up tomorrow. You're in a brand new country and you don't you don't really know anybody yet. You, you still have your family. You have re- the resources that you have, but you don't really have any connections there. And all that you have in terms of what we might think of as resources would be the a, a laptop and say $500 US. What would you do for the first seven days? Um, well, it's really important to get to know the people where you're at, to start to understand the culture, to work on learning the language. Um, so definitely uh, one of my first priorities would be figuring out a, a way to finding someone who could help me start learning the language and starting to ask questions about uh, the culture and um, trying to find perhaps other believers who are in the area. But you definitely have to just get out and connect with people um, before you really can have a platform to minister or to understand the needs of people or even how to evangelize. It's so important that you have an understanding of their worldview and their culture and um, can communicate. So language, of course, is extremely important. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Holly, we're just about done. Would you share with us maybe one last piece of advice and the, the best way for people to connect with you if they'd like to learn more? Okay. Um, well, the best way to connect with me is, through uh, a website that we have for the medical and pro-life ministry. Um, it's uh, ukrainemedical.awe.org. 
And there's a tab there, the News from Holly tab, that has some of my past updates. And also, you can sign up to receive my email updates on that link, um, if you'd like. And that just gives you more information about the ministries that we're involved in. Um, And I guess one last word, I would encourage people to continue to pray for Ukraine. Uh, The conflict um, has quieted down in the last few months, but it's not completely stopped and there's rumors that it could start up more intensely again and even if it doesn't uh, there's just been a huge impact all across the country and ukraine really needs your prayers and prayers that not just for peace but that god would use this to bring people to himself well that's great holly thanks so much for taking the time to do this i really appreciate everything that you shared thank you for having me it's my pleasure Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes by visiting engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. Audio editing for this program was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studios. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.